listen, last week um, I began this new series that we're just calling Rekindle. And we began it by looking at a particular description of Jesus that is found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is actually quoting the prophet Isaiah. And here's what he said about Jesus in Matthew 12, 20. He said, a bruised reed he does not break, a flickering flame he does not put out. Or if we were to take that verse and kind of turn it inside out and maybe take it from the way it's stated kind of negatively about what Jesus doesn't do, and we state it positively about what Jesus does do, here's what Jesus does. He mends those things that are damaged in our stories, in our lives. He mends those things that are damaged and he rekindles those things that have grown weak, maybe almost dying. He mends and he rekindles. That's what Jesus does. And in these weeks of this series, what I've been just seeking the Lord, saying, God, would you allow us to rekindle something of our own expectations? The expectations in our heart that over this past tough year that may have kind of dwindled down, have been damaged or maybe been dying off, and especially about the miracle working power of Jesus. God, would you rekindle in our hearts that expectation that you are still the miracle working Lord? I want you to think for a moment about Jesus. And I bet that even during over this past tough year that we've experienced, that probably many of you, maybe most of you in this room, probably not everybody, but at some point in your story that you would remember like putting your trust in Jesus. Like a specific moment in your story where you said yes to Jesus, where you said yes to his forgiveness. You said yes to like accepting Jesus and his truth uh, to just come into your life and over your life. And you said, yes, Jesus, I want to live for you, not just here on earth, but eternally I get to, to be with you. I bet that most of you, that that would be your story. And that's awesome because that right there is the gospel at work. Like the power of Jesus, the good news of Jesus coming alive in your story and in mine. Man, and around the world, I mean, there's a couple of billion people who have come to that point of just saying yes to Jesus and like allowing the gospel to come alive in their story. And it's just so great. But... It's easy to have at one point in our story said yes to Jesus, right? Started that journey with him. But then life moves on. Life goes on and we, we start going through life. And, and what we find out pretty quickly is that we experience some bumps and bruises along the way. Right? Because Jesus never promised that his followers would not experience bumps and bruises. And so we go through, you know, the bumps and bruises of life. And then we hit 2020. And it's like, oh my gosh. This is not just bumps and bruises here. These are some like devastating body blows that so many 
have experienced. And I will not enumerate them because I did that last week and I don't want to depress you. But I mean, we've been through a lot, right? Over this past year, a lot through 2020 of just of like grieving losses and, and just experiencing deep wounds and pain, discouragement, hard, hard, hard things. So during this time, here's what's not likely about your faith. Not likely. It's not likely that you forgot Jesus' love. It's probably true that most of you did not forget that God forgave you, right? It's probably even not likely that, that you like have lost sight that one day Jesus is coming back again and to rescue us from all this brokenness of this earth and that one day we'll get to be with him forever in heaven. It's probably not likely that you have forgotten those things, his love, his forgiveness, your eternity with him. But here's what I think is more likely after the kind of year that we've experienced. I think it's more likely that this past year of difficulty and discouragement that we may have drifted from our confidence that Jesus is not only the God who forgives us and who loves us, but that he is also the God of miracle working power that he is the God over all things, the God of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the all-powerful one and nothing is too hard for him. We may have drifted in all of the discouragement and disappointment and deep pain that we've experienced. We may have drifted from our confidence in that Jesus. So I want to take you just for a moment to think about the miracle working power that was woven through the entire lifetime of Jesus while he was here on earth. Okay, I want you to think about, about these truths. One, Jesus had the power over his own life. He had the power over his own life. He could, he could set it down and pick it up again. We see that he entered the world born through a virgin. I mean, that is a miracle. It is absolutely and undeniably unexplainable by any laws of nature because it was his will. He just willed it to be, and it was this miracle birth. And we all know also that when he was killed, when he went to the cross, sacrificed himself for us, guess what? He said, I don't want to be dead anymore. Come on, I need a little bit of feedback. He said, I don't want to be dead anymore. I'm coming back to life, right? We just celebrated Easter uh, recently. Listen, he had the power over, over his own life. Miracle. He also had power over all the physical world. Every physical part of the world, I mean, he had complete control over. So we see things that Jesus did, like he turned water into wine. He just said, yeah, that doesn't need to be water anymore. So boom, God's miraculous power working through Jesus, turning water into wine. He also, he, he had a thing with food because several times we read through the gospel, he took a little bit of food and he multiplied it and made it into a lot of food that fed thousands of people just from a meal. 
He had just the, the full power over the physical world. He also walked on water, which is a really, really cool thing to be able to do if you have miraculous power over all things, including the physical world. And I, I love this, that we see this after he was resurrected and after that first Easter, that he appeared in a room through a locked door. Like his disciples were all like in a room and boop, there was Jesus. Because he had complete control over all of the physical world. Jesus also had control over our human bodies. And one of the most special things we see through the gospels time and time again is what did Jesus do? He opened blind eyes. He opened deaf ears. People who couldn't speak could all of a sudden speak. He also, he miraculously healed those who had been diseased and their bodies you know, were deformed and were leprous and all these things. Jesus restored to health those who were diseased. And then this, that on several occasions, Jesus raised others from the dead. He said, I just don't want you to be dead anymore. Lazarus, come forth, right? I mean, Jesus had complete control, all the power over human bodies, not just physical elements like water and food, but very personal stories in people's lives. And then, of course, Jesus also had miraculous power over all spiritual matters. He would tell demons to flee, and they fled. He said, you, out, out of this person, out. And boom, they just, they, they obeyed. He had this miraculous spiritual power. I love the fact that Jesus stood on top of a mountain and had this conversation while he was like gleaming bright white, Jesus has this conversation with Moses and Elijah. I think, I think Jesus had power over all spiritual things, right? And then finally, when he departs back to heaven, his disciples are gathered around him and Jesus begins to lift off the ground and it says, departed into the clouds to return to heaven. Would you agree with me that Jesus' entire life on earth was surrounded by the miraculous? Where, come on, I need some feedback today. It's Mother's Day, but you guys have voices. Through those masks, would you agree that throughout Jesus' lifetime on earth, that his life, it was just woven in and out, inseparable from him, his miraculous power? Listen, this is the Jesus that we come to. The Lord of all things, the physical, the personal, and the spiritual, there is nothing that Jesus can't do. And his lordship and his ability to work miraculously was not just confined to 2,000 years ago when he walked on earth, but today as well. Because you can read right up behind me, right here when we open those doors and there's back there in the baptistry, we see Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same miracle working, all-powerful God, Jesus, our Lord, 
is available to do those same kind of powerful, miracle-working things in our lives and through our lives today. When we put our trust in Jesus, we are not only accepting his forgiveness, we're accepting a whole new reality, a whole new way of like looking at life, not just as forgiven, but that we have access to God and this miracle working power. You know what, this is something that one of our presidents, American presidents, completely missed. I don't know if you know this, but the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, was an extraordinarily brilliant man. Extraordinarily brilliant. He became a lawyer before there was law schools, right? I mean, he was brilliant. He was an architect. He was a statesman for our country. He was an ambassador. He did all kinds of just amazing things, was the primary author of the Declaration of Independence. I mean, he was just this remarkable, brilliant man who also had a real fascination and love for religion, studied quite a bit of philosophy and of religion. But here's something that he had a problem with. He had a problem with the Bible. He had a problem with the parts of the Bible that went beyond his brilliant thinking and his, his like enlightenment era rationale of the way that the world should work. So do you know what Thomas Jefferson did? Literally, with a razor and scissors, he cut out the parts of the New Testament of anything supernatural or miraculous. He cut it out. There's something called the Jefferson Bible that has all, retains all of the, like, the wise teachings of Jesus, but what it cuts out is anything of the power of Jesus or things that he could not understand with his rational mind. Pretty amazing. And I wonder about that. I wonder about Thomas Jefferson and how in his latter years he came to this place of still wanting Jesus, this wise teacher, but not the Jesus of the Bible who is Lord over all things. But I wonder if his faith may have drifted in his latter years because of the pain, the difficulties and deep discouragement that Thomas Jefferson experienced throughout his lifetime. Here's some things that you may not know about Thomas Jefferson. His father died when he was only 14 years old. That would probably impact the life of a young man in some pretty traumatic ways. Then his wife, Mary, who by all accounts was like the love of his life, died after only 10 years of marriage. But during their 10 years of marriage, Mary had six children. But here's the sad part of that, that only one of those six children outlived Thomas Jefferson. So he witnessed the death of five of his children, four of them during infancy and early childhood. Additionally to that, 
from the age of 19, Jefferson, throughout most of his life, um, suffered from prolonged, severe headaches that were just disabling. And that followed him all the way until after his presidency. Add on to that all the other headaches, right, that would come with like, oh, being in the Revolutionary War and being the third president of this new developing nation in all the conflict that they were still experiencing. Jefferson was someone who experienced a lot of discouragement, probably seasons of despair. You can read about that. And I, I believe that, that what we see in his story might, might be a reflection of some of what we're experiencing in a small way coming through the kind of year and experiences that we've had. Because I believe that the more pain we encounter, the more pain we encounter, the more we may tend to drift from our faith in Jesus as the all-powerful miracle-working God. The more pain, the more there may be that magnetic kind of gravitational pull downward. That, gra that gravity that just wants to like put weight on our shoulders and we just kind of sink under that. I, I think that Jesus still loves me. You know, I believe that he has forgiven me. But man, is it hard to be confident that he is still the all-powerful, miracle-working God. Pain can do that to us. And that's why we're doing this rekindling series, these conversations about intentionally realigning our faith with the true Jesus. The God in all of his fullness who came to earth in power to redeem a, hum a humanity that was broken and lost. I want you to look, maybe you've never seen this before. It's one of my favorite in all of scripture, places that describe Jesus. It's found in the very first verses of Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter one, we're gonna put some scriptures right up here on the screen right now because verses two and three, listen to the words about Jesus. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Not bad. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature. His mirror image. Not powerful. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of our sins. And then he took a seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. Woo! Come on. That is our Jesus. The creator and sustainer of the universe. He spoke it into existence and he can, as he continues to breathe, he holds it all together. And that Jesus himself is the exact representation of God. His mirror image. If you want to know what God is like, 
Look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Read the words of Jesus because you will be meeting God himself. See, whenever we're tempted because of pain to reduce Jesus from anything less than this, what we're really doing is we're creating a false God that's made, unfortunately, in our own image. And we run the risk of turning Jesus into a small g God. I want you to capture this because it's, it's not something that we would intentionally do, right? Because I said, man, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty confident in God's love for us, his forgiveness, and, you know, he's got a plan for us and eternity for us. But, but if we are not careful, we can turn Jesus into a small g God who is less than what we just read about who Jesus truly is. We end up making our own idol, like Jefferson did, right? With scissors and razors, and we cut out the parts that just don't line up with our own life experiences, with our own limited understanding, maybe our own wise rationale. Well, those things can't be true. But friends, they are. So when we do that, we're, we're just turning Jesus into some kind of, a, of an idol of our own making, a small g God. But listen, Jesus' spiritual authority and all the things we love about his teaching and his wisdom, his goodness, and his miracle working power, those two things, friends, are completely inseparable. We cannot scissor out those parts about Jesus' miracle working power. In fact, Jesus was really clear about this in his lifetime and, and how he lived and he illustrated it really beautifully one time when there's uh, four guys who wanted to bring their friend who was totally crippled and paralyzed to Jesus. These four guys bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They couldn't get into where Jesus was because he was teaching in this house and it was packed out. I mean, people were just like, like hanging out the doors and windows. They couldn't get their friend to Jesus. So it says, what did they do? They climbed up on the roof. They dug a hole through the roof and they got some rope and they just lowered their friend on a rope. I mean, would that be something? Man, you're just like, whoa. We are so desperate to see our friend encounter Jesus that we're going to do whatever it takes to get him here, right? I love that. And it says that Jesus loved their faith too. So this is the story. Real quickly, let's read this together. Mark 2, starting in verse 5. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to that paralyzed man, he said this, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law, okay, check this out. Some of the teachers of religious law were sitting there and they thought to themselves, what is Jesus saying? This is blasphemy. Only God 
can forgive sins. I think maybe these religious leaders had a little spirit of Thomas Jefferson in them. Right, who, who, okay, listen, we're good sitting here listening to all your wisdom and all those cool parables. We love the stories about the kingdom of God and, you know, what life is like and how we should treat one another. Those are all good. But stop acting like God, Jesus. Stop acting like you're the Lord of lords, the king of kings, right? Only God can forgive sin. So they kind of had this little spirit of Thomas Jefferson come over him. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So, listen to this, I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. There was a bunch of stunned people that day. People that walked in like Thomas Jefferson, but walked out like believers. Oh, Jesus is who he says he is because his spiritual authority was inseparable from his miraculous power. And Jesus illustrated that by saying, hey, it's all one package, guys. So I'm going to just show you. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove my spiritual authority by doing something that you will not believe in the natural. Jesus said that his miracle working power was given as proof that he truly was the son of God. And over and over in the Gospels, we see that whenever Jesus worked miraculously, it said that people would put their trust in him and come to belief in him. Listen, God's power always confirms God's truth. God's power can't be separated from God's truth, but it always confirms God's truth. His power demonstrations through the miraculous, they're like an exclamation point that just shouts out, this is true. This is true. So we've been asking people from our church to share their miracle stories, right? If you've gotten some of our little digital bulletins that go out over the past weeks, you've seen, hey, do you want to share your miracle story? And so far, I think we've got about a dozen people who've written in, and I know there's some more that are coming, right? I know that there's some more that are coming. Uh, but listen, I, I am so excited that I've got permission to share this story from one 
of our amazing dear sisters who's been part of this church for so long. Her name is Kathy Monroe. And Kathy, I hope you're watching online. Happy Mother's Day to you. I'm going to read directly from Kathy as she's given permission to share her miracle story. She says, as a new believer in 1976, with two young children and little or no disposable income for entertainment, I was learning about the miraculous power of God hearing our prayers. One day while the rain was pouring in sheets, my friend and I decided to take our total of five children for a ride to the beach. We had no money for gas and the car ran out of fuel on the way to the Huntington Pier. So we prayed with the kids, asking the Lord to supply our need. And before anyone said amen, we heard a knock on the window. Now check this out. I just love how God works here. A man stood there. He said that he had been in the store with his wife when he sensed the Lord telling him that there were two women in front of the store with a back seat full of kids. He was instructed by the Lord to offer to fix their car regardless of its trouble. Even in the pouring rain, he checked out our car, walked to the gas station, rented a can of gas, then filled our car, making sure it was drivable before we left. It was one of the first illustrations of God's love and power that I had experienced, but not the last. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love that story because it, it not only involved Kathy and her friend and their kids experience something of God's breakthrough, miraculous power in a very unique way, one that they would never have been able to imagine. But here's also the story of a man who is just simply being sensitive to the leading of God in his life. That he heard something of the, the Holy Spirit's nudge saying, hey, get out of this store in the rain because there's a couple of moms out there. A couple of moms out there with a backseat full of kids and you need to go and make sure that car that they're in is drivable. And he just simply listened and obeyed. You know what, when we do that, God tends to show up in miraculous and powerful ways. In fact, in just moments, there's gonna be an opportunity right here that if you have a need, if there's an area of breakthrough that you have been contending for throughout this whole series, I'm just asking this question, what miracle are you contending for? And if you want to agree with someone for breakthrough in that situation, whether it's something in your body where you need healing, if it's something in a relationship, if it's something with finance, if it's something with your employment, if it's something you're even believing for someone else, that they have a crisis and there needs to be this miraculous breaking through of God in their story. Come and get prayer. But as we come, here's what we know. That no matter what happens, that God is good. 
that no matter what happens, that God is the all-powerful one who is the God of all things. But because he's God of all things and he's beyond my own understanding, the miracle that I'm contending for may not come in the time or the way that I would choose. God may surprise us. And we need to prepare our hearts for that. I came across something a couple weeks ago that I thought was so fitting for this. There's a lady, who she's, she's actually an Anglican priest. Her name is Tish Harrison Warren. And in her life, she's, uh, she's a mom, but she's experienced a lot of pain, including losing two babies before childbirth. It was quite devastating. And she wrote this about a, a friend who was praying over her infant son before he was taken away to an operating room. And Warren was there with her and she spoke these powerful words to her friend. And I think there's such maturity and wisdom in these words as we pursue the God of the miraculous. Listen to Tisha's words that she spoke to her friend. She says this, and you can put it on the screen. She said, we have decided, well, we have to decide right now whether or not God is good. Because if we wait to determine that by the results of his surgery, we will always keep God on trial. Woo! That's a maturing word for people of faith who are contending for the God of the miraculous, the God of miracles, the all-powerful Lord of lords, to say, God, show up right here. But here's what we do. We set our hearts together saying, God, no matter what you do, whatever happens, God, I trust in you. I trust that you are good. Because if we only believe in God's goodness after the miracle happens, right, we'll always keep God on trial. We'll always keep God in this, this box of like, only if you do the things that I want you to do, will I put my trust in you and consider you good. Now, God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. In the middle of the storm, he's good. And when he lifts the storm and brings that bright, beautiful, sunny day that we've been waiting for. He's good in both the hard times and in the good times. So Jesus, we bring ourselves to you. Lord, knowing and growing in a regained confidence, Lord, that you are not just the God who loves us and not only the God who forgives us, but the God that you are the all-powerful one. You are the miracle-working God. And Lord, whatever may have died off in our hearts, Lord, because of just all of what we've experienced in our lives, the pain, the brokenness, the discouragement, the despair, whether it came in 2020 or maybe it came long before that. But Jesus, you know our story. And God, we ask that you would begin to now mend our hearts and you would rekindle an expectation to believe in you in all of your fullness, in all of your glory, in all of your miracle working power. In Jesus' name.
And man, if there's anybody here today who you want to say, you know what, I, I need, man, before I contend for any other miracle, I just need the miracle of new life in my own heart because I know that when I walked in this room, there was a spiritual deadness in me. Like I, I was trusting in my own self and my own strength. But I need this Jesus. I need the one who loves me. I need the one who will forgive me of all of my past. And I do need the God of power, of miracle working power to also show up in my story. And if there's anyone today who wants to receive the greatest miracle of all, and that is life eternal, that starts today but goes forever because of what Jesus has done, because of what Jesus has already secured for you on the cross. Today, all you have to do to start that journey is to say, yes, Jesus, I want you. And if that's you today, if you're here in the room or if you're out in the courtyard and I can see you, I'd just like you to just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor Tim, that's me. That's like, I want that in my story. I need that spiritual life to be awoken in me. And if that's you, I just would love for you right now to just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need that in my life. Man, I agree with you. That God would mend all that needs to be mended. Forgive everything that has gone before. He forgives you now. Just by you just saying, Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. I'm proud of you. Anybody else? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Anybody out in the courtyard? Wave big so I can see you. I, yeah, I see your hand out there, all the way in the back. Bless the Lord. And listen, anybody online that wants to just say yes to Jesus, you can do that right now, and you can go over to our website, sm4.org, and you can just go to our contact page and say, hey, just leave us a note, I'm saying yes to Jesus, because we want to pray for you. We also want to send you some material that's going to help you on your faith journey. Friends, God is good in the good and the bad. The only reason we need miracles is because we do go through hard things in life. But praise God that he, Jesus is the God of miracles and he's awesome. Happy Mother's Day to each one of you in person and online. Happy Mother's Day. You are loved. Can't wait for you to rejoin us next Sunday as we continue this series on rekindling this miracle expectation in Jesus. Your love, church. Happy Mother's Day.